Welcome to Here to Thrive. I'm Kate Snowwise. I'm the girl behind this podcast. I'm a Kiwi living in America. If you are just tuning in for the first time, that is where my accent is from. And today I'm getting a little bit personal. I'm talking about how I marry the practical side of myself with the mystical side of myself. Now, why that's personal for me is this is a battle that hasn't always come easy for me. It's something I have struggled with because, as you will learn in this podcast, I'm incredibly mystically oriented in some respects, but at the same time, I am very practical and down to earth, for lack of a better way to put it. And for good periods of my time, I have either swayed one way or the other. And I finally feel like now in my mid-30s, I can honor the balance between the two. The reason I think this is relevant is that this very podcast is a reflection of that. I think it is a perfect reflection of my blending with the spiritual and more mystical sides of myself with the very down-to-earth and practical ideas that I strongly believe in. And I want to talk to you about how I marry that and why I bring those two things together and why I think it's important for us to be whole humans. So in this episode, I'm talking about what mysticism even is. I'm going to spend some time there before talking about the left brain, right brain divide and how we live these days, mainly in a left brain world and specifically talk about my experience and my training in psychology. I'm then going to talk to you about action and how I believe it is the key to bringing the more mystical into the physical or practical realm. So sit back and let's get started. Welcome to Here to Thrive. I'm your host, Kate Snowwise. This is a podcast for people who are ready to step up and live a happier life. It's for those of us who are dedicated to understanding ourselves and getting the best that we can out of this thing called life. It's a mix of psychology and modern spiritual thought, always with a focus on practical advice so that you can take it back and apply it to your own life. I don't believe we're here to merely survive. I truly believe we're here to thrive. So let's get going. So we're talking about the mystical stuff today, which is always fun to me. I love talking about this stuff. But more specifically, I'm going to let you into a little bit more about my story. Now, if you've listened to episode two, you may have already kind of heard me touch on some of this stuff, but I'm going to go a little bit deeper today. When I think back to my childhood, I feel like I was born with a natural fascination with the things that I couldn't see. Now, I wasn't one of those kids, I know you'll often hear sort of clairvoyance or very spiritual people talk about having experiences that were sort of out of this world when they were kids. That was, certainly wasn't me. I had a very normal childhood. I didn't have any visions or anything strange or unusual happen to me. In fact, I can remember actually being very young and being petrified that I might one day see an angel. What I think is fascinating about that is that 
The idea that perhaps people could see angels was even on my mind because I must have been all of about six years old and been scared that I would see these things that were not of this realm. But I was born with this fascination about mystical things, about angels, about Christianity. I wanted to know more about religion, even though I didn't grow up in a religious household. I was fascinated by the idea of heaven, freaked out by the idea of an afterlife that wasn't beautiful. All of these things were really, really big deals to me as a little child when I swear none of my other friends were contemplating the meaning of life. And here I was, a six or seven-year-old, more fascinated by what was unseen than by what I could see around me. When I was looking up a definition for what mystical is to give you today, there was one that really struck me on the Oxford English Dictionary. Yep, I'm a Kiwi. Of course, I go to the Oxford English Dictionary. That's what I grew up with. But it defined mystical as being concerned with the soul or spirit rather than with material things. That is it for me. That was my mystical fascination and something that is still very much a part of me today. I'm fascinated by our soul or spirit. And that comes through in this podcast as you listen along, I'm sure you'll note. I guess I've always been a little bit of a daydreamer. And to be perfectly honest, as a kid, I guess I was just a little bit overwhelmed by the real world that was around me. I felt more comfortable living in this space that wasn't necessarily the physical, practical world I had to show up in every day. As I grew into a teen, obviously I grew more accustomed with being a human in the world, for lack of a better way to put it. I certainly still to this day consider myself a spiritual being having a human experience. But as a teenager, I certainly identified with my humanity. But I was also increasingly interested in spiritual ideas or mystical ideas about how we could survive outside our bodies, near-death experiences, spirit guides, and the more metaphysical elements of the world around us, I was mesmerized. Then I went on to study psychology at university. Now this is where I think the discussion about our left brains versus our right brains really becomes relevant. If you don't know much about the left brain, right brain divide, I'm going to touch on it a little bit here. But realistically, it's probably an episode in and of itself that I will record sometime soon. But in summary form, our right brain controls the left-hand side of us. It's also what I kind of frame as the magical part of us. That right brain is the side of us that doesn't see the restrictions of the real world, but rather sees the interconnectedness of all things. It speaks in feelings rather than language. It's our intuitive nudges and our inner knowings. It's the ability to be able to visualize. It's where our creativity lives. And music speaks directly to this side of our brain. Now, when I talk about that lack of recognizing our individual nature and instead seeing more of an interconnected whole between all things. 
I take that understanding from a neurologist named Jill Bolte-Taylor. Now, many years ago now, I read her book called My Stroke of Insight. If you haven't heard of her, she also has an amazing TED Talk, but that book is so well worth a read. I was actually getting engaged when I was reading that book, so it must have been about eight years ago that I read it. She was a neurologist who had a stroke and it shut down the parts of her left brain. And as she describes it in the book, it's almost like she could watch parts of her brain go offline. What she discovered was this different world when she was living mostly from her right brain. Now, the beauty of her story is she did recover a lot of what she had lost and was able to come back and share her story of this experience of being a neurologist who had this insider knowledge of what was going on in the brain and then being able to watch it happen and then experience it from the inside out. Seriously, an amazing read. So that was My Stroke of Insight by Jill Bolte-Taylor. I'll put the links to her TED Talk in the show notes as well as a link to her book, but pick it up if you want to understand a little bit more about how different sides of our brains control how we show up in the world. So that's the right brain. Then there is the left brain. And for me, I now see this as so much the world we are taught to live in these days. It's certainly the world I was trained in as a psychologist. Now, I went into my training in psychology, like so many others, I'm sure. I started with my bachelor's degree and I was interested in psychology because I was mesmerized by the human spirit. I was mesmerized by what it was that made us different, what it was that gave us that sparkle in our eye. Interestingly enough, over eight years later, I came out a rigid scientist and I really did. I look back now and I can see how my training in psychology took me away from my mystical nature and instead thrust me firmly into a scientist practitioner model. Now, if you've got any training in psychology, that might sound kind of familiar, but the scientist practitioner model is what modern psychology is based on, or certainly the psychology I was trained in. And the idea is that as a psychologist, you are also a scientist. And that unless something can be observed, measured, and replicated, unless you have scientific proof that it works, then it's not something that you should be using in a real-world context. So here I am, this mid to late 20s, graduating through, I've graduated out the other side of my psychology degrees, and somewhere in there I lost my mystical nature. I lost my fascination in the things that couldn't be seen. In fact, I kind of completely forgot it. I read a book in my, around this time, a little bit after, it was given to me by a guy I was dating at the time called A New Earth, and this was by Eckhart Tolle. Again, another amazing read, and you've probably heard me mention it already, but a book that certainly changed my life and the trajectory I was on. Although not immediately, when I look back, it took a few years to sink in and for the message to really hit home because reality was I didn't know what to do with it. But in A New Earth, Eckhart Tolle talks about how we are not our thoughts. So here I am, about 26 years old, trained in psychology, and I'm like, holy moly, I can watch my thoughts. It was astonishing to me to realize that 
I was the thinker of the thoughts, not the thoughts themselves. I just want you to sit with that for a second. You, the real you, is the thinker of your thoughts. You are not those thoughts. I, at this time when I read this book, was so immersed in my thoughts that I ran on autopilot. I never took the time to stop and recognize that I could break away from my thoughts. I didn't even know I was capable of doing that. Now, if you're listening to me and going, what on earth is she talking about? Just just read his book and see how you go. It is so good. It was one of Oprah's big time favorite books of the late 90s. So definitely check it out. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. But that was something that helped me reawaken the mystical side of myself, the side that I truly think is what makes us human, that tragically psychology had kind of knocked out of me. So our left brains, when I say I think we live in a left brain world, we have become, in my opinion, obsessed with proof. We are all scientists at some level. We want logic. We want facts. We want data. We want proof. And there are some things that I believe we can't get physical proof for, but that doesn't make them any less real. Now, you may have seen the stats about how many people believe in a God of some sort. When I was pulling up stats for this show, I was surprised myself to even see that in Gallup's results from last year, 89% of Americans say they still believe in God and only 10% say they are unsure or don't believe. That's almost 90%, 9 out of 10 of us, who believe in the things that we can't see. And oh my my, I'm clearly one of you, but here I was coming out of this very rigid scientific model where God, spirit, the stuff that couldn't be understood was completely removed from the equation and really non-existent. So here's the thing. I'm a mystical teenager and then I become a very rigidly scientific kind of corporate gal in my mid-20s. And here I am now sitting here recording this podcast, 34, and I feel like it's I'm only just working this stuff out. And the reason I wanted to record this podcast is I'm sure you'll see in my coaching that I marry the two. I marry the spiritual with the practical. I marry my scientific background with the old school wisdom that I believe that we all still crave. And interestingly enough, it's been coming up more and more in my coaching sessions. And I realize I'm not alone. I'm not the only person out there that is craving to get back in touch with a soulful way of living. I'm not the only person who feels like I am set adrift when I don't have that spiritual basis or that soul tug that anchors me to my own center. What I can now see in my own story is what really made me feel whole was when I came back to honoring this more mystical side of myself and this more mystical side of life. 
It was when I was willing to give my soulful side a seat at the table that I really woke up into my full potential. But how did I do it? How did I take the mystical and make it practical? Action, 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 action. I believe that action is the key to taking the woo-woo stuff and making it real world. And this is what I do with my coaching clients. I often kind of describe myself as having my head in the clouds and my feet on the ground. And I do, I see myself like that. I honor that daydreaming, imaginative, creative part of myself now. I still probably have a little way to go, but I give it a seat at the table. But then there is a part of me that is very practical and down to earth and has to see real world results. And I used to think those things were in contradiction to one another. And now I realize that they are two parts of the same whole. And that for me or my coaching clients to live a truly whole life, they can't reject either part that both of those parts have to play together. The other thing that I think is really interesting here is that for me to accept my right brain side, that more creative, intuitive side, I had to experience it. And I think this is the thing about that side of us that is unseen or can't be put into language is that until you've experienced it, it's very hard to just believe in. And I think that's why you do see people talking about the power of meditation and other spiritual practices, because it puts people into a space where they can learn from an experiential point of view. They can feel the feelings and experience the joy. And once you've actually been there and felt those things, you don't need convincing anymore. That was certainly the case for me. I no longer felt like I needed to believe in the stuff that couldn't be seen because I could feel the stuff that couldn't be seen. That is a huge difference between believing at an intellectual level and feeling at a soul level. But coming back to that point around action and how I see it as the bridge between these two parts of ourselves. For example, take your intuition. Most of us have had times when we've had those little intuitive nudges that are knocking at our door, but we will never know if they were accurate or powerful unless we act on them. Action takes that mystical reality and brings it into the real world. It makes it alive. So I want to leave you with this thought. If you have that more spiritual side of you that you want to embrace more or perhaps even live more, I want you to sit down and ask yourself this week, what is rising up in me? What does my soul want to express? And after you've answered that question, say, what can I do in a real world sense to help bring this to life? Specifically, what are my next three simple actions to help bring this dream or this daydream or this spiritual yearning into my real physical world? 
I want to leave you with one final thought. Like I said, I'm a very spiritual girl, but I'm all about the practical. Now, when I was a kid, I kind of thought that God was magical. Now, I feel like God works his magic through us. We are the ones who are here to take action. And it is through marrying our spiritual sides, our mystical sides, with our action-oriented human parts that we can change our lives and make this world just that tiny bit better. So embrace it. Thanks for tuning in for another week. Next week, I'm talking about our future selves and future visioning and why the future you is even relevant. So tune in to hear that next Friday. Till then, keep thriving. Keep thriving.